Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, the City Podcast, a.k.a. Stay in true to yourself. We are here today to foster the necessary discussion of how to value the self in the community. So without further ado, I'm going to let our new guest today introduce themselves. You have the floor. Hey, everyone. I'm Kathleen. Uh, I'm from Carson, California, and I'm 26. But right now I'm living in beautiful Sacramento, California. Awesome. So Kathleen, so you are from Carson, you are 26, living in California. Can you kind of expand more on yourself in terms of like the things you like to do, your experiences, what have been the things that you can say mold who Kathleen is? Mold who I am, that's a good question. I think it's always funny when people ask um, grad students, like what do you like to do for fun? It's definitely right now it's sleep, I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> but I like okay. it water laying by the beach going to the beach I, I like to feel um that's what relaxes me what I feel like shapes me is definitely my family that's the first thing that came to my mind as you said that my parents are both from Trinidad um so it's it's always it was always really interesting I will say growing up um you know you come home and it's like this whole different world and you leave um and you have to figure out how to navigate, you know, like your American friends and like doing things like that. So it's always been a serious code switch for me. I think that's definitely what shaped me. Um, and I, I may have mentioned this before to you. My mom's also a social worker. Um, so I grew up with someone. Well, I, I was raised with this by a social worker and an engineer. We're like complete opposites. So one's really, really logical and one has all this emotional intelligence. And I always feel like I'm this really nice in-between of the two of them. So I would feel like their personalities have definitely shaped me and just how they chose to allow me to be free and just discover what I like to do while also allowing me to kind of spread my wings and be creative and be different in my own way. So it's definitely probably a mom and dad and family on that one for me. Okay. Um, I can really resonate with the part you said about the uh, understanding cultures and having to kind of code switch from, you know, your home culture and then the outside culture. Yeah. Um, can you kind of expand more in terms of your experience doing that? Well, when I was younger, I hated it. Um, and I think now as I have a better understanding of the world, I love it. I remember like being on the bus and, you know, trying to fit in with your black friends, kicking it, whatever. And they're like, well, mm -hmm. you're not black, you're Trinidadian. <laughs> and so like, always, wow. yeah, yeah. So always kind of feeling that I was different in that way. And like now, I, I mean, I'm still different, I guess, but it bothers me much. It, it doesn't bother me at all at this point. Um, uh -huh. I like the fact that I can connect with a lot of people with different experiences. Um, and now, I mean, even working in student affairs, right at my full time, I feel like you'll hear about every job on this podcast, but <laughs> um, now working in student affairs, that's definitely been really, really helpful and being able to resonate with students who have a similar experience and connect with their parents when I need to as well. Okay. Um Wow, that's that's amazing. But uh, when you say like your friends kind of had to 
and they kind of challenge you and say like are you black or not like what we're all you know we're all from the same place you know right. we all look the same it's just that maybe sometimes dialect is like kind of what the differentiating factor exactly. um you, you touched upon your like your experience in terms of your professional experience uh can you kind of expand on how your professional experience uh has been influenced uh by your, you know, your uprising and kind of currently the things you're being interested in. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. So um, I'm a real Caribbean and I have three different jobs that I love. Um, one is student affairs. And I kind of touched on that, right? Like using personal experiences to connect with folks, especially, you know, I had difficulties in college, um, you know, academic challenges and being able to, just show the students that there, there's opportunities even if you mess up, right? Mm-hmm. That has really helped me. Um, and then I think in social work, it's always, I feel like I'm always cheating a little. My mom's definitely a social worker. So some of the things that we're learning in class, I'm like, I learned that as a little girl. <laughs> um, so again, I, I think it's them taking their time on me and being willing to teach me things. Like I never had the parents who were like, you're too young to understand that or something like that. But I also um, am a consultant for a research team that focuses on mental health and connections that basically we make with our therapists. Um, So the social work job and that kind of intertwine in that way. Um, But I actually landed that job. um, It was a trauma job. I was really interested in trauma and being a research assistant in a lab that did that. Um, And that has... I didn't understand why I was so connected to like pain and trauma and why are these things interesting to me. And as I got older, I realized like the people who raised me experienced a significant amount of trauma. Um, the people I grew up around experienced a significant amount of trauma. So I, I, I guess we all experience trauma in some ways, but I was really able to see how people shift after a traumatic event. I was able to see how folks' trauma kind of hangs on them, right? As we navigate the world, mm-hmm. our experiences shape what we do and who we talk to and what we say. So putting all those pieces together was was really interesting to me. And the reality is, like, you don't know sometimes what you're interested in. And most of the time, at least I can say for me, I've stumbled upon things, right? Like, I would have mm-hmm. never, you know, I would have never considered social work had I not been kicked out of Davis <laughs> at one point and then was like, what do I really want to do? Right. And I had these awesome community college teachers who were like, who, who allowed me to explore that and who took their time with me. Um, and so that's one of the things I'm, I'm comfortable with now is like, I've made so many mistakes. We all have that not allowing that to stop me and really just go get whatever I want when I want it. Mm. that sounds a little okay. a little yeah, so uh, you, you kind of touched upon in terms of like your uh journey throughout college um and experiences mm-hmm. that you had and how that experience kind of uh, shaped you and kind of influenced you into the things you want to do um can you kind of touch upon um the one you also say right now you are involved in terms of mental health so can you yeah. kind of touch upon in terms of for the folks out there listening uh who might be in a, in a situation uh, like you were in, in terms of how to kind of overcome that academic journey and also at the same time having to fight the barriers that come in with mental health and mental health stigmas. 
Yeah. Uh, for me, the driving force has really been relational. I know we have this like idea that we need to like grind, get out the mud, make it on our own, but it's it's a really damaging um, idea to have because that's what kept me sane when I was really hurting, when I didn't know what to do is just the people around me who peeped the difference. I mean, let's talk about that for a second. A lot of people don't even notice when you're going through something, but the people who recognize the difference and were like, cool, now what, what's next? And the people who still saw you know, beauty in me, the people who still saw that I was capable, even as I was going through um, some of the things that I have in the past, right? That's, that was a driving factor to me is just knowing that people still love me and believed in me when those things were happening and find your, find your niche of people um, and be honest with the people around you and have those open and have that open communication so they can support you. Right. I mean, we are really used to not sharing when we fail. Someone was talking to me about like Instagram culture. I think that's what he called it. Mm, like okay. my successes, but you don't see my failures. Right. And granted, I'm not going to post, hey, Instagram, this <laughs> this shitty thing just happened. Right. But can you, uh, uh, you kind of explain what you mean by the Instagram culture? Because that's yeah. that has been like a topic that people have been trying to figure out, like, Social media has come in to influence people. You have, you know, young kids, you know, they aspire now to be a social media influencer. You know, sometimes, you know, it can be maybe that's what they really want to do. Or sometimes they're just blind to the reality of what it is. So can Mm -hmm. you kind of touch upon on that in terms of what you mean by that? Yeah, well, what I mean by the Instagram culture is. Uh, I'll give an example. So I'm on quarantine probably for a lot of us. We got on our fitness kick and I'm like looking on Instagram like, ooh, this girl is body goals. Like, that's what I want to look like. Come to find out, y'all, I'm doing research. Everyone who I'm like body goals has gotten work done. And so that's what I'm saying is like, we don't even know the, what, what's real or not, um, especially on the gram. Um, mm-hmm. But it's social media in general. And like, I'm working with, um, a few teenage girls right now. And it's really, really interesting to see that because when I was growing up, we had MySpace, but it was like, um, I'm trying to think, it was like late in middle school, right? Mm-hmm. So I, and, and MySpace is not like Instagram where it's like photos. It's like you did your background, your songs. There were other things, your top five friends that you were concerned about. It's not looks. And I think that's how social media has really changed because I don't remember being so invested in looks and appearance like some of the girls I am working with now are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean by Instagram culture. And we don't we, we we're not sure what's real, what's fake. I see your successes. I see you making money, but I don't see that you spent 10 hours uh, without sleeping to get there, right? I, you know that I am finishing this degree, for example, but I haven't, I haven't shared, I haven't posted at least that, you know, I had so much difficulty in undergrad, right? And so that's mm-hmm. Instagram. We get to choose what we want to share or not. I mean, the people who are posting aren't doing anything negative, but it's the perception, right, that we got to consider. Okay. Um and you also touched upon uh, the importance of like, you know, finding the right group for you, having important, the open conversation and dialogue. Um, can you kind of touch upon in terms of your experience and how you 
kind of came to that realization for yourself? Yeah, it's funny you ask that. I was just having a conversation with one of my line sisters and she, I was celebrating, you know, something. And Wait, can, was, uh, can I, oh, just for a minute, can I'm you kind of, for the people, sorry about that. Can you, uh, for the people out there who are listening, can you kind of explain what a line sister is? Because there might be some people who might be ignorant to that. Yeah, sorry. Um, a line sister is a sorority sister that you came in to the organization with at the same time. So um, think about it like a, co- a cohort, but in a sorority, kind of. Um, and she was saying, like, you should uh, be so proud of yourself, you know. And then I realized when these big accomplishments happen for me, I never feel like of course, I feel like, damn, I did it, right? I feel excited. But I always am thinking about the people who were there on those really icky days when things were uncomfortable and when I just, all I could do, I, I'm thinking about my grad program. And I always joke, the first year of grad school, you just cry regularly. And everyone I talked to in grad school has said the same thing. Like, you just regularly cry because it just feels overwhelming. But I'm thinking about those moments and that's why I think it's good to have people who want to celebrate you, but it's even more of a blessing to have people who want to be like, damn, you're really ugly right now. The situation's ugly right now, or you shut your ass just now um, and still want to work through things with you. Um, mm-hmm. Not just people who want to be there when you're sharing or you're, you know, you're having the fun but pe- people who really want to uh, genuinely support you. I, I don't ever feel like I'm alone um, with family and the, the, you know, the family that I've created for myself. I, I don't feel that way. Okay. Um, me. Okay. Um, so now let's kind of shift back to, uh, to kind of your, to kind of who you as a person. Um, so in terms of your journey so far, your experiences, you know, all the things you kind of had to hurdle over, is there like a big accomplishment you've had so far? And if you do, can you explain why? Or do you have a big accomplishment you're trying to get to? Yes, yeah, so I do. I just accomplished it actually. So I, I told you about this grad program for the Master of Social Work, um, but I just got into law school too. So that is- Wow, big- congratulations. <laughs> That's my big accomplishment. I just got into law school. And um, I think it goes back again to what I was saying, like the things I've experienced in undergrad. And, you know, you, you would think at a certain point your undergrad grades stop affecting you. That is not the reality. A lot of schools, their GPA is based on their students' undergrad GPA. So it followed me. And I was really thinking like, damn, like these mistakes that I made when I was 20, 21 are impacting me now at 26 and people don't think I can do it. And that's always one thing, and anyone who knows me can say this, is I will outwork somebody, right? I may not be the smartest, but I will outwork anybody if I want something, okay? Um, So I just needed a shot and I finally got it. (laughs) And I finally got it. Um, So I just, I'm just feeling really blessed. It came like a few days after my birthday, you know, literally last week, so. I've been doing a lot of celebrating, um, and it's been good. I feel really, really blessed. Okay. Um, You touched upon, like, uh, you know, the undergrad experience and how that experience uh, does kind of, like, follow you throughout your life. Um, So in terms of your undergrad experience, what is, like, one big piece of advice you can uh, let people know in terms of who are potentially looking to get into undergrad right now or who are currently in undergrad? 
for the people who are looking to get into undergrad, I'd say you end up where you need to be. Um, for like, for example, I just knew y'all, I knew I was going to LMU in LA. I bought a sweatsuit when we did the campus tour. I just knew I was going to LMU and, um, I, I did not, <laughs> but, um, the relationships that I've made here and being able to explore Northern California, being close to home is important to me, but being able to kind of create my own is also, um, and this was a really awesome medium, happy medium as an adult and being 18, 19 when I first moved out here. Um, for the folks who are in college, dang, what would I tell myself? What would I tell myself in college? Don't go crazy. No, I think um, there it's growing. You're even though you feel really, really old sometimes, you have no clue what's going on, and that's uh, totally okay. No one ha no one knows what they're doing is what I've realized this year. Um, and, and just take your time, you know. And you're gonna fall out with people, and again, just remember who needs to be in your life is going to be there, right? Um, if someone wants to make it work with you, they will make it work, and that's not just with relationships; it's with friendships too. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I would tell myself. Okay. Well, I hope for all you folks out there listening who are, you know, potentially trying to get to undergrad or are in undergrad, you guys can take away that valuable wisdom that Kathleen has shared and you kind of and use have it. Fun. Have fun. Exactly. That's <laughs> emphasize that, you know. Um, so now let's kind of shift uh, a little bit. Let's get a little juicy here with the conversation. All right. So, you know, un in undergrad, people have experiences, um, you know, people meet different people. Can you yeah. kind of share, you know, the experience of relationships while in undergrad? <laughs> I can barely share the experiences of relationships at 26. No, I think um, every person that I dated in undergrad was instrumental to me figuring out what I would and would not accept. Um, Can you give like, an example? <laughs> yeah, sure, thanks. <laughs> um, well, so for example, I, I, this, is, this is not necessarily in undergrad, but it's, um, I think we like dated through undergrad to post-college, whatever that mm -hmm. awkward period of time is. Um, and there were awesome things, right? But there are things looking back now that I would never accept, right? And I had to get to a really, really low point, um, right? Like, it sounds a little silly to say, but when people mistreat you, you learn how to be treated well, right? You begin to say, like, I'm, this is not, this is a non-negotiable. That's what I call it with my clients, right? Non-negotiable thing. And again, not just relationships, but friendships. These are things I will not accept any longer. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of heartbreak. And I think that was, um, you know, this is my experience in undergrad. It's like being really disappointed um, with the experiences that I had um, in regards to relationship. But I never stopped. Now I'm stopping to think like, okay, one, what do I have to work on? Two, am I even ready to do this with the person? And, you know, there's a lot of work that you have to do to be in something healthy, right? It's a lot of, um, you know, you figuring out, you healing from things. There's a mm -hmm. lot of heartbreak in undergrad, I feel like. 
Well, again, maybe it's just my experience. I experienced a lot of heartbreak in undergrad, and I'm not, I'm not like embarrassed to say that. I think some was totally my fault, and others were totally other folks' fault. But then yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you that. Actually, it was like, you think yeah. it's you, or do you think it was them? And I'm glad you're uh, acknowledging the fact. Yeah, some things were 100 percent me, and like, what am I doing trying to have this long? Like, you're 21 and 22, chill. Mm. You know, speak on it. Mm-hmm. It's like relax. Think, you know, my mom tells me like the people who are for you will be for you. And I am like really seeing that now as an adult. And it's crazy like to be in this point in my life. Like I didn't think I would be able to be treated as well as I am being treated now. Right. Mm-hmm. By mm-hmm. a person I'm dating. I really didn't think it was possible, <laughs> but I really, I gave myself a year of no dating. Mm, and wow. like, that's a flexible no date, like definitely met for drinks or whatever, things like that. But that was like a pretty solid year and it allowed me to kind of feel comfortable being by myself, mm-hmm. which I was not. Like in college, I was not. And again, it goes back to um, proximity, like I was saying earlier you're used to being able to be like, oh, hey, what's up? Let's go, for us, it was like Applebee's, I think. Like, let's go Let's go to Applebee's real fast, you know? There was always someone in your vicinity and there was always someone who was free enough to hang out, mm. right? Fast forward, right after school, I was in a serious relationship. That person was always there with me. So that year was really my first time, like, chilling and just being Kathleen, uh, which I needed. Um, mm. That's not shade to like other people I dated or anything like that. It's just like, I needed to do me for a second to really figure out what I wanted in a person. Okay. Do you feel like the, uh, you know, we got hit with the pandemic. Um, do you feel like the, the whole COVID experience has kind of shifted how people approach, you know, their relationship with their significant other? Well, if I put my social work hat on, I know that the pandemic has really, quarantine has taken um, a toll on relationships because when you really think about your day, right? Think about you're living with a partner. You Mm -hmm. probably only see that partner for, and I'm excluding sleep because that's not seeing your partner, maybe four to five hours. Wow, okay. I didn't even know that. My, I didn't even think about that. Wow, okay. Right? You don't see them a lot. The, the moments that you spend with them are meaningful. But now, you know, we made that five into 24. Some of us did. Right? Yeah. That's hard. I like you, but do I really <laughs> like you that much? Everyone needs their space. Even if I do like you, shoot, I don't want to see you that much. Um, so I think that's where it changed because the expectations and those little things that you can usually look over became everyday things, right? Every moment things. Um, so I definitely know it took a toll in regard to dating. I haven't felt like it's inhibited me, but again, part of the pandemic was my, my one year of not doing anything uh, with anybody. Um, I don't feel like it's inhibited any of my girls either. Uh, okay. So, but I know that's not the reality for everybody, especially if you're living with like family and you have to be really cautious about 
um, everything really in this pandemic. So there's okay. flexibility. Um, you touched upon like some really uh, vital points in terms of like, you know, when it comes to relationships, um, the aspect of understanding what you can accept and what you don't accept mm -hmm. and, you know, learning how to, you know, speak up for yourself and negotiating what you think is right for you in the moment and what you think is going to build you to be a better person. Um, you touched upon that. Those are some really big, uh, big points when it comes to, you know, just relationship uh, building in general. It can be, you know, romantically, personal, academically, professionally, or just in any way. It's very important to, you know, learn about yourself and figure out what do I accept? What is right for me? Um, it's that kind of self-exploration journey. And you touched upon how you kind of took a year for yourself to kind of, you know, sit back, relax, and kind of learn more about yourself. And you you said that that gave you a, a boost and a, you know, a propeller to, you know, what you're doing now. Um, mm -hmm. So in terms of, you know, your whole, you had, you had your whole self-exploration phase. Um, when it comes to who you are as a person, um, why do you feel you are different from anyone else? Um, <laughs> for me, it comes down to ambition. Um, and some people will mm -hmm. call it cocky. But I think if there's anything I want to do, I can do it. I have, I, I believe in myself and my brain and God um, enough to know that if I want something, it, it can be mine. And this experience really with the school and everything has shown me that. And that's, that goes back to outworking people. It's like, you might be smarter right? There are people in the world who are smarter than me, but if I want to outwork you, I'll outwork you. And I, I think that's what makes me different. Um, but while I do those things, right, while I'm working on my goals, the relationships going back to that have been important to me. So for example, um, in the social work program I'm in, you have to do X amount of client hours, right? And so if my girlfriend is having a tough time or whatever, and she just needs a friend, I'm like, all right, well, come over, kick it, you know, we'll hang out, we'll go out. Um, but I know that in seven at 7.30 in the morning, I need to be ready to see clients, right? And so mm -hmm. that's what's important to me. And that's like the commitment I've made to myself. I don't want to just be the person who's in school um, and grinding, quote unquote, right? But it's yeah. also relationally, who do I want to show up as? And I want the people who I love to know that I love them. And that's just something I wasn't going to waver on. Okay. Um, and actually just, you know, from knowing you, I, I can really agree to that is, you know, that your ambition and drive to uh, just be better every day, it's uh, really shown in the things you've done. And you know what they say, you know, hard work does be talent yeah. most <laughs> of the time. And I want, I want to say just, well, I think all the time, hard work really? does be talent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so. Thank you. Um, when it comes to now you, uh, you know, coming to that realization for yourself and, you know, set, setting up your chessboard correctly, mm -hmm. have you come to an understanding of like your own, the essence of your own existence? Like what's your purpose? Oh, <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you've ever seen those images where it's like left brain and right brain and the right brain is like this really colorful creative thing and the left brain is like black and white have you ever seen that image 
Yeah, I have, but I would love yeah. a little bit of enlightenment and education. That right? is how, I, I mean, that's how I feel. I feel like there's that split in my personality. And this is why I think this next, next step is perfect for me. I love my clients. I love working for them. I love doing therapy. I feel really connected to it. And, um, it's, and again, this is not a boast, but this is just, like, I've had supervisors who are like, this is your calling. Like, you're good at this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not having to teach you the things like I would have to teach other people. And again, maybe that's credit to mom and just growing up with her. But I do feel like very connected to that work. But there's this other piece of me that's like super logical. And I almost want to say, as I fed my social work brain and had that fun and creative side, um, I've been really drawn to this like lo- this logical piece of me too. So do I know what my purpose is? Like, do I have an idea of what a dream job or something like that looks like? No, I know what I want to learn and I know how I want to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know what I want to create. Um, and I don't just mean create like physically, like what the things I want to create, but um I know the spaces I want to create. I know the feelings I want people to have when I enter the room. Um, I know the feelings I want to have when I enter a room. Um, so that's that's what's driving me. And for me, it's like trust. Like before I got the, um, the letter being like, hey, yeah, you're accepted, right? I remember driving and I remember being so confused. Like so many things were happening at one time. I was working on this application. I'm finishing school. Um, I'm, I got offered some social work jobs. I'm like, damn, maybe I should just take those. And I remember driving and just being like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but do it. And really like mm. <laughs> relinquishing control for a second, um, and which is not like me. I'm definitely like, I have 10 spreadsheets for everything I do. Um, but that was helpful. And being confident and comfortable was saying, I don't know at all. I don't really know. I don't know. Like, you know, when people ask you what the next five years look like, I can give you a gist, I guess. But I'm going to be good. (laughs) You know, I I have faith and I have trust in that. Um, So I think my purpose is really to to help people. Um, I think that is really what, to my core, I want to do in what, like, way or fast about, you know, how I'm going to make that happen. That's still up in the air, but I know I'm supposed to be helping people, helping my community and showing up for them. Right. Like I say, okay. these, oops, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was, um, I was going to emphasize on the, what you said there, you know, sometimes you might find yourself doing something and you don't know like what it is, but you find yourself doing it. Um, and the reason probably you're doing it is probably because, you know, that's just how it feels right to you. And you, you touched upon it by saying, you know, just do it. Yeah. So um, I just want to emphasize on that and kind of build upon that. Um, you know, if Nike is out there listening, you know, just do it. <laughs> Sponsorship. <laughs> You'll feel me. <laughs> um, so now you kind of, you know, touched upon, um, you know, finding your purpose and the things you kind of have done to reach that, you know, that point and that pinnacle for yourself. So, I kind of want to, you know, go back to the mental health aspect. You say you have, you know, you, you are, you know, you're aspiring to be in the social work field um, and you have clients that you meet up with. 
when it comes to mental health and mobilizing uh, mental health stigmas, mm. what do you think is kind of the next steps that we kind of need to take as a society and as individuals to ensure we do that the correct way? Damn, that's a really big question. Um, I feel like I'm in class where we get asked these, this question regularly. One, I say, um, not reteaching, but teaching folks who are younger than us that it's okay to not be okay. Like, mm-hmm. granted, um, I'm never going to say someone doesn't need therapy. I think we all need therapy. Um, but, you know, some people need it more than, more than others. And I love seeing, like, a six-year-old or a eight-year-old in therapy. And like a part, a portion of it is like getting to know their feelings through play and drawing and things like that. But it's also teaching them in the future that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to get additional support. So I think teaching our children that is necessary. Again, we rely on this grind culture and the grind culture is not always um, super nice to our mental health. Um, as, a, as adults, <sighs> What do we need? Well, I can, I mean, there's a lot of things we need. Healthcare needs to be better and access to healthcare needs to be better when you're discussing um, mobilization, right? Uh, We need more people with different experiences in the field. Um, I know for me, for example, uh, my therapist, I knew I wanted a black woman and I wanted to have have similar um, experiences that I did. Um, so getting people with an array of experiences um, makes it more attractive for other people to say like, oh, this person is kind of like me. Let's see what she or he or they can do um, when I'm thinking about mobilization. But then I think we also need to make um, therapy as a career needs to be more accessible. Right now, I do not feel like it is. Um, are we creating different avenues for like low income folks, for example, to get their masters? And what does that process look like? Um, I, we definitely need more people of color and we definitely need more men of color. <laughs> mm-hmm. But okay. yeah, I guess that's what I would say. Um, so in terms of like, you know, when it comes to the, like the healthcare aspect, uh, do you believe, like, you know, the current policy that we're currently going on? You know, we just got a new administration. You know, we came out from the Trump administration, which I think uh, uh, repealed Obama. Everything pretty much Obama did, I think Trump was like, you know, fuck it. And now we have, we're back. We're back now to, I guess, the, to what, you know, was before Trump, because yeah. we have Biden in office and he was under uh, the Obama administration. So in terms of like the new administration we currently got going on, um, you touched upon like healthcare uh, policy. Like, do you like what specific things uh, would you say uh, we kind of need to include into, you know, the next changing policies that we're going to be coming up? Um, I think what well, my biggest thing is accessibility. Right. Uh, I don't know. We used to joke about this in college, but it's like, if I need to go to the hospital, just drive me. Don't call an ambulance. Like, the ambulance is too expensive. Like, I, <laughs> I remember joking like that in college, but that's real. And there are people who are mm-hmm. bleeding out and calling Ubers to the hospital, to take them to the hospital. 
Um, wow. So it, it works, right? Well, one, it works for the people who have a hospital that's not um, impacted and crowded in your community. And it works when mm-hmm. you have money. But what if you're undocumented? What if you're low income? Um, what if you're over the age of 26, right? And you're not, and you're not working a job that has benefits. Um, things are still not accessible. Mm-hmm. And I want to touch on the fact that, yes, we may have a new administration, but we also, in this Trump area, I feel like our society has also changed and people have become really comfortable with being um, nasty. I don't know if that's like my But like uh, being rude. Being, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Being rude, being racist. Um, you know, be, not being accepting, where I feel like in the past, things were not as overt, right? I don't really want the world to know that I don't like Black people, but oh, now it's okay. Now it's okay. It's not like Black people. This last president made it okay. And that's just one example, but mm. um, so that's been interesting to see as an adult as well, that, that kind of switch. That was um. hard. Okay, um, so that's you know that we're looking at from like the you know the big big boys, the federal, you know how they can help us out when it comes to like healthcare policy in terms of ensuring that we have the right resources in our communities uh, for people who you know, for example, if somebody needs to get to the ER, you know, instead of calling an ambulance on them, if they have a friend next to them who can actually take them there, mm-hmm. um, and that can kind of you know alleviate the costs to you know their medical costs. So in, in terms of like California itself. Um, what do you what, what do you see it going in terms of the healthcare aspect? Well, one California has has been one of the states who has done a lot to try to help the situation. I will name that. Um, I remember, like in school, one of our classes is to like look at your state's policies in regard to healthcare and how it supports people. I would like us to, and maybe this isn't a policy. Maybe it's more so all of us looking at something differently. As I've been working with more um, developmentally disabled um, kiddos, I'd like to see us, I mean, we're a really ableist society, right? Like when we're creating things, policy, structures, anything like that, we don't keep in mind that there are people who, who, who don't operate like us in the same way. I really like this, mm-hmm. like incorporating people with learning disabilities or disabilities in general um, as we're creating certain things. I mean, like even our schooling structure can be really difficult with um, a, a kiddo with autism or any learning disability. Um, so I would really like us to find a way to deep dive into it. And I know these are big questions and I, I don't have all the answers, but that's something I'd like to see. Um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, it's, it's that it's that, you know, desire to always keep finding a, a better solution right. than the previous one. So, you know, it's always, you know, here on the city uh, podcast, that's the goal is how can we use improve the self first? And then how can the self, you know, get themselves invested into their community so they can upgrade what's going on around them? Right. Cause that's the whole goal. If you can if you can upgrade yourself then the chances of you actually upgrading your community are extremely high. That's just simple and clear right there. If you focus on how you can build yourself, you know, for example, if you, you know, self-care is very important when it comes to 
uh, mental health, you know, finding the things that keep you sane. Um, mm-hmm. When you are able to find those things, the, you know, the possibilities of your com- community um, enhancing from that is very, very high and very likely. Um, so now, next question uh, for you, Kathleen, is in terms of you as a person, you know, you know, you touched upon how you feel like, you know, you are different from anybody else because of your ambition um, and you feel like your purpose, you know, is uh, working really hard to ensure that the people who need help get the right help that they need. And, you know, hard work does be talent. Um, how would you describe yourself in three words? Mm-hmm. Um, creative. Ambitious. Ooh, what's, what's my third word? Um, creative, ambitious, and caring. I think those would be my three words. Okay, so we have creative, ambitious, and caring. Yeah. Can you kind of expand on how, how you came to that realization of being creative, ambitious, and caring? If you could touch upon each one of them. Yeah, the creative piece. Um, again, I have to give this is definitely a student affairs thing of just having to quickly find solutions um that support an array of people quickly um and mm-hmm. constantly thinking on your feet constantly trying to figure out how can we make this policy better how do i communicate this policy um that's what the student affairs has taught me and i've been able to be really creative um in the job even when we're thinking about like design and social media and things like that. Um, ambitious. I mean, I feel like I kind of, uh, we kind of touched on that. I just know I, and I, this is my dad, but I know I don't want to stop. Right. Like I want to continue working on this. I want to continue helping. I want to continue um doing what it is I have to do. And of course you get tired in certain moments. And that, like you said, that's when you go back to self-care and taking a pause. And I definitely wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't learn how to do that. Um, but I, that for me, that's where the ambition is. I'm just looking for the next thing. And not to say that I'm not satisfied, um, but I'm constantly being able, I'm, I'm constantly looking to see how I can work well in other spaces. I'll say that. Um, And then caring. Like I said, uh, the relationships are important to me. I'm a relational person, even though I have that super logical side. Um, So I think that ambition and that caring really go hand in hand. Um, Yes, there are things that I want, but I want at the end of the day, right, when everything is done to be around people I love and celebrate with people I love. and be, just being able to connect with people, I think that has been one of the coolest things with the social work um, job, just being able to uh, be present the way people need me to be present in that moment has been really cool. So those would be my three words. Okay. Um, you also touched upon, like, you know, how you're a relational person. Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of touch upon in terms of um, – your self-care, like if you can give a, a, some self-care tips that you have out there um, to maintaining yourself and how you're u- able to use that in maintaining your relationships. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Well, first off, I'll say self-care looks different for everybody. I know people who like to read a good book to self-care. Me, I am like put on the most like background noise show, sit on my phone for hours, like, and just veg out basically, I guess is what I'm saying. That's my self-care, but I would really encourage everyone to kind of explore it for themselves. And like structured mm-hmm. self-care, right? Like I like to do yoga, but I like to sit on my phone in front of the TV a little bit more. And I'm like, what does it look like when I'm really giving myself a break? And there's little ways that we can get self-care throughout the day. Like a lot of us are working from home right now. I've peeped that I want to make like a good meal sometimes. Or for me, it's like, I will make my bed up every day. It will be perfect. And that's like my one minute of Kathleen, get your life. There's some self-care, right? So I've recognized that I need tangible things to complete. So in between sessions, maybe rather than vegging out, I would wash dishes. Like, I need to see something tangible being done sometimes as well. But that brings me to my next point is your self-care will look different in the middle of your day versus at the end of your day, right? Mm -hmm. So giving yourself flexibility there as well and recognizing that it changes, right? The things that relax me now are definitely not the things that relax me beforehand like I said I'm a relational person so I feel um, really good usually after I hang out with someone you know or meet up with a girlfriend for dinner or something like that that's like a way I can blow up steam Um, but then there's moments where I'm like I just need to not talk to anybody for like three hours right like let's just say you had a long day of clients Brain Mm -hmm. is mush right like I know if a girlfriend's calling me about an issue I need to be like I can't, you know, and communicating when I can't. And that is not only an act of self-care, but an act of rebellion because we're always so used to having to be on. So when you tell someone pause or stop or here's my boundary, you are rebelling. You are rebelling against what society has told you you need to do. Um, And it's okay, right? If we give all the time, we don't fill our cups um, and we need, we yeah. need to give ourselves that time to do so. Yeah, just uh, to expand on that, I, um, I think you kind of touched upon it, but to all the folks out there listening, when it comes to self-care, um, sometimes it's very important to actually focus on the little things instead of just always focusing on the big things, you know, because those little things do build up and actually do make you feel better. Um, like you touched upon, for example, um, you know, you said one of your self-care things is get sitting on your phone and just watching TV, having TV in the background. Uh, but you also touched upon, like, you know, having something small, tangible to do, like washing dishes. That's the little things that, you know, kind of make you feel like you're doing something and you're progressing and it just makes you feel good. Um, so just emphasizing that it's kind of important to focus on the little things um, instead of, you know, just always focusing on the big moment. Because the, the small moments do lead up to the big moments. So. Yeah. It's very important to to touch upon your, you know, your self-care and kind of self-explore what works for you. It's funny that you say that because I was just having a conversation the other day and um, I was talking to one of my client's parents and I'm like, you're running toward this really, really big goal and it's really far away. And you're running so quickly toward it that you're missing all these little moments, right? Mm-hmm. You're missing all the small wins. Um 
And so, so that was really meaningful to me that you said that, because I think that's a really good reminder. Again, we want this big thing done. We want it completed. But how many other things am I missing out while I'm so focused on that? You know? Yeah, it's a puzzle piece. You know, you got to put the pieces together so you can get the complete puzzle. Um, so as we come to a you know conclusion of our city interview podcast, um, you know, we have two last questions. Okay. You know, we usually ask this to everybody else. So on a scale of one to ten, um, actually, just to touch upon, you know, you were featured on the platform before. And last time, I think you had you were at an eight. So now this time <laughs> on a scale of one to ten. How committed are you to staying in true to yourself? Oh, definitely a 10 now. Definitely a 10. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to hear because, you know, that shows there's been, you know, some more self-exploration um, and kind of more understanding and acceptance of who you are. Um, you know, that's plus two points. So, <laughs> you know, kudos to you for that. And uh, it's really good to hear. Um and last time, also, you had a quote for yourself. Um, but now this time, it's a new day. It's a new beginning. It's kind of a new chance for you to develop your own quote. So if you were to be quoted and you had a quote, and, you know, it's a quotation, dash Kathleen, uh, what would that quote be? I don't know if I can take credit for this, but um, this is the one I always say. It, oh, you know what? This is what I would say. I would say, I am the sun. Um, and that is something my dad actually always tells me, um, just reminding for me, it's a reminder of what I deserve and how I want to show up in spaces and how I want people to treat me in spaces. But can I say a second one though, too? Cause this is on my mind. Yeah. The second one is the sky is still the sky. And so that's talking about, um, like when bad things happen, or when you're in a kind of sticky, yucky situation, um, you're still you, right? And you should be treated as such, and you should maneuver as such. We're, we make mistakes, but we are still us. Um, so that's that's a really important one for me personally. Okay. Dash Kathleen. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, you know, you touched upon, you know, the importance of your family, the importance of, you know, relationships, um, the importance of, you know, checking yourself and self-exploration. Um, and it's been a pleasure hearing these things from you um, and, you know, taking away your advice and wisdom. And for all you folks out there listening, I hope you guys can take away something from this and resonate with uh, the experience Kathleen has had and kind of see, like, no matter what's going on, there's always that chance and opportunity to always kind of do better. And it always starts with you. So don't forget that you are there to define yourself. You're here to define yourself. And it's important to figure yourself out first before you can kind of not start delving into other things. So Kathleen, it's been a pleasure having you on the Thank podcast. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much, y'all. And, uh, you know, as we always say here on the podcast, always pursue your dream and seize the day. Peace out.